Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer and set of offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. WrestleMania hijinks and the death of Glenn from The Walking Dead on the next comic book jerk show. That's right, I'm the comic book jerk and this is Fat Daddy Drac and we come complete with Kung Fu action grip and super kicks. Drac, I think you might even have that uh, Michael Keaton belt that comes out, turns into a rope where you can kind of repel off stuff. No, I don't have that piece yet, but I tell you what, the collection is getting bigger and bigger and bigger. I've got the artwork hung up, it looks nice in here. So it's like my own little personal bat cave going on. That's right, so kick that music, it's the Comic Book Jerk Show. From the flamers and noobs who were trolling the fans, the midichlorian masterminds concocted a plan before he had an emporium of Endorian L's, and he was complaining about those movie star Christian Bell, and his manga mastermind returned again to reboot his new show with all his geeky friends. Like the difference in Wookiees and Tribbles and Kibbles and Bits, the story comes together like a reductor twist from Harry Potter, or maybe it's worse, you might even curse the jerk for reminding you that everything's worse. In the back of your mind he says what you never could, and you never should, and you never would, but he could. So listen up, troll, and let's go. It's time to sit back and watch a comic so, book jerk show. Fat Daddy Drac, you are probably one of the uh, the biggest wrestling fans that I know, and uh, you must have had a blast with WrestleMania. Oh, man, you know, I've, I've seen a lot of complaints and stuff on Facebook, but, uh, you know, as the old uh, Triple H uh, DX saying goes, suck it, because I had a great time with WrestleMania last night, so it was awesome. Uh you know, yeah, granted, you know, my wife made a good point when when the NWO and DX were fighting outside the ring during the Triple H and Sting match that they were, the only thing that was missing was some canes and walkers and stuff because of all the gray hair and all the old people and stuff. But, uh, you know, it, to me it was great, you know. And then the Hall of Fame the night before, you know, the Macho Man Randy Savage in a very moving poem by his his brother Lanny Poffo. So I mean, it was pretty awesome. You know, the one thing that got me the most about WrestleMania is what the hell was going on with Terminator, Terminator game. Like, come uh, on, dude, hey, you can say tell what that you will, man. But there's you say what you will, man. Of course, you know it's a shameless plug for the new Terminator movie coming out. You know, but I mean, you got to think about, it, man. Triple H has done the done this gag with this with this uh, this skull and crown for like I don't know the past 500 WrestleManias that he's been in, right? You know, you know, or obviously that's an over exaggeration for all the fanboys out there. It's gonna be like, oh, he was only in such and such, you know. But whatever. The fact of the matter of it is, man, it was a really cool new twist to, you know, that that same old gag that he's always done. You know, and, and the fact that the Terminators come up out of the floor and it was like, what? And then the well, whole if, if Arnold, Arnold was Schwarzenegger there, scanning the audience and stuff. Arnold was there. Yeah, if, if Arnold was there, why didn't he walk out with Triple H? Like, he should have came out and walked side by side. And the same with Sting. Sting should have had somebody that was just a an epic, you know, celebrity walk down with him, too. Because it felt like, uh, 
I don't know. It felt like they didn't give Sting props. Like WWC or WWE was trying to beat down WCW and make it like fuck WCW. Even after all these years, like it was, it felt like that's exactly what it was. If you've watched WWE Network lately, I mean, you know, one of their big shows that they're really showing on on WWE Network right now is the Monday Night Wars. So of course, yes, they're trying to throw a little salt in a wound. There's nothing wrong with that. It's good humor. I mean, there were some great cameos last night from the wrestlers that I grew up watching that I like so much, you know. Well, you know, on the Rock came I, down I grew up watching Sting, man. And I did too. I, you know, I grew up I grew up with WCW, you know, Bash at the Beach and Spring Stampede and all those really great ones, dude. And it it really it really felt like a like a tearjerker. It felt like they took everything that Sting was and turned him into just a straight up like like piece of trash. It's like they took everything that you loved about WCW and Sting and just completely just rehashed it like like a horrible. It was worse to me to watch that shit than watch Punisher Warzone. It was a rehash of what could have been something incredible. Like, and I mean. How how great would it have been if Sting actually came out, out on top, man? Like, the match felt like it just wasn't – it didn't have it, man. It felt like – I agree with you there. I really expected to see Sting win the match. I, I never expected to see Triple H actually win it. And here's the thing. Sting was horrible, <laughs> plain and simple. Did you not catch the big, giant, bald spot on the back of his head? Mm-hmm. I was not going to mention that. I was totally oh, saving that for, for, you know, I wasn't going to say shit about it. But after he tumbled a few times and all that shit, he had he had it going on straight up. And the same same goes with the Undertaker and uh, the Wyatt match. Man, that was just the most bullshitty, horrible. I mean, like, why don't they just next next WrestleMania? We fucking have a walker match, and we have all these old fucking wrestlers, and we just give them walkers and let them walk all around in circles around the ring about three or four times right before they get counted in out. Just let them come in the ring, you know. Just let them walk on in, and, you know, one, two, three, and it's done. Because watching The Undertaker wrestle was excruciatingly shitty for me because I was just like, the whole time, it would have been, it wouldn't have been all right if we had good announcers. But the announcers that they had didn't do anything the whole entire match. But Dog, the Undertaker, oh, well, he's too old. Well, he's, he's just coming out to die in style. Yeah, he's. Yeah. It just felt like you guys are sucking the fucking the. You're sucking the life out of this match. It's not the Undertaker wrestling. You guys are <laughs> sucking the fucking life out of. And the only time that I enjoyed, the only two wrestling matches I enjoyed was the fucking epic ladder match. And you have to admit, that was the most epic. That that even put some of the fucking attitude air to shame for me, because it felt like everything that you wanted as a fanboy was right there in that ladder match. And then the other match was, was Randy Orton. I mean, you got to admit, Randy Orton, fucking, he needs to be the dude with the championship. He needs to be the dude fucking calling the shots. He needs to be the game. You know, there's just something about Randy Orton that just is fucking awesome in its own right, you know? So let's talk about that Intercontinental Championship match, the ladder match there. You had Dolph Ziggler, you had uh, Luke Harper, you know, and your boy Daniel Bryant won it. You know, the Yes Movement is strong in the WWE universe, that's for sure. 
it's definitely strong on the comic book jerk show when it comes to me. So, you know, I'm all about the yes movement. You know, I, I wasn't about the yes movement. I've been completely like, like you know, I, I don't like his character. I don't at all. But after watching the ladder match and the epic fucking two and a half to three minute headbutt session, yes, 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 yes. You know what I'm saying? Let's do it. Yeah. Well, what about you know what that power bomb that loot or that uh, Dean Ambrose took through that uh, through that ladder and snapped that ladder in half? Man, I mean, that oh, was dude, some rough I, stuff, I thought somebody man. was. I thought somebody was going to the hospital at that point, man. But I also thought that uh, O'Brien was going to, uh, yeah, I thought O'Brien was going to go to the hospital when he headbutted uh, Undertaker, dude. It looked like he broke his fucking leg off, dude. Because the rest of the match afterwards was just, what the hell is going on? Oh, are you talking about Bray I mean, Wyatt? Yeah, yeah. I, that felt like, I, I was like, man, this match was over before he ever did that. And I mean, the speculation is he he twisted his ankle during during working out before he even went out to wrestle. So it was already pretty much a fucked up situation. I don't know, and, and I don't know. The WrestleMania felt like it dragged on when The Rock came out. Did you kind of feel like like it was dragging? Yeah, on I, I, I really did think that the whole Rock speech, even though it's entertaining, it's always entertaining when The Rock shows up, you know. But it's you're right. It it just. It was like, all right, man, we got four hours to fill. We got to throw some really long stuff in here because, I mean, like some of the really great matches happen early, early. And like even in the pre-show, like wasn't that where the Andre the Giant Invitational was at during the pre-show? Uh-huh. And that was a great match. You know, the big show won it. You know, I've, I've, I said last year when they had the first one, you know, it was amazing watching Cesaro slam the big show over the ropes and everything, but. The Big Show is the modern-day Andre the Giant, and honestly, he should have been the winner of the first one. But I'm glad to see they finally give him his dues on this. Well, I mean, it, it's about time the Big Show got what it, you know what he deserved, man. He he deserves a lot more than he, you know. I guess maybe once he cut the hair, it was just like like the old story of Samson. You shave his beard and all that stuff, and he, you know, he has to pull it from within himself to pull down the the, the town or whatever. Now, did you know, watch? Man, it's, it's did you watch the Hall of Fame Saturday night? I actually missed the Hall of Fame. What happened in there? So we had we had some really good stuff going at the Hall of Fame. We had Rikishi. Mm-hmm. So Rikishi became part of the Hall of Fame. We and he was inducted by his sons Jimmy and Jay Uso. Uh, they did the two cool dance, so it was really cool. You know, you had the Macho Man Randy Savage. Got inducted Arnold no, I did, Schwarzenegger. I did, I did check out the highlights. So I mean that that was pretty cool. But let's talk about the moment that that probably would have shook and could have shook the whole entire WrestleMania. It could have been one of those WrestleMania moments. But it felt like the life or something was sucked out of this WrestleMania. I don't know if it was the advertisements in between the rounds or, or what it was. But when the NWO came out and DX was out at the same time. It felt like this could be epic, but no one did anything. Nobody threw any punches. Nobody tried to to fight their way. Nobody really tried to help except for, like, DX. I mean, it felt yeah, like... Yeah, it was like there was at one point, and if you go back and watch it, and I'm sure that some people, if they if they got the WWE Network for only $9.99, um, you know, if they've got it, and if they listen to this podcast, they go back and look at that match, 
but there's the part where Scott Hall has got Road Dog, and Scott Hall's got him down, getting ready to do the the razor's edge on him, and uh, Road Dog counters counters it, and you know just flips Scott Hall over his back, and then the Road Dog goes down like somebody beat the hell out of him. You know what I'm saying? It was <laughs> it was re- it was ridiculous. Totally overplayed. And, but I do believe that uh, Kevin Nash may have suffered a leg injury last night because there was a part uh, where they were going at it, and he falls, and you see him grab his leg in pain. Mm-hmm. So yeah, what I'm about just, the championship I, match? I the championship match got what it deserved because they needed a way for Brock Lesnar to lose without actually getting pinned in the ring. They needed to get rid of that title and give it to somebody else. I didn't care who got the title, and I didn't I didn't see anybody beating Brock Lesnar because I don't I don't see him being a man that's going to be like, hey, in my contract, you know, he's a, he's pretty much established it since he started the WWE that I'm going to be the man that loses the you know the less as anybody. He's going to be. Uh, he's going to be the Bill Goldberg of the WWE. He ain't going to lose shit, you know. They pretty much established that. Now, they needed a way for him to lose it. And I've seen the WrestleMania, you know, I've seen that coming. He had the money in the bank bag. And what better way to save it than WrestleMania? He's not stupid. You know, they're not stupid when they come up with the scripting. They just, I don't know, they just needed, I don't know, they need a boost. They need to bring back wrestling back when the fucking, you know, the Rockers was having their feud and, you know, the Brett Michaels or the Brett and Sean Michaels, Michaels battle. They need to bring... <laughs> hey, now, now, if it this was, was Rock Love, Guns Brett Michaels... <laughs> if it was Poison versus Guns and Roses, it would be epic, dude, but I don't know, man. I'm just not seeing it by far and I don't know. I, I keep wanting to get in the WWE, and every time I try, the only thing that really interests me is watching the female wrestlers get into arguments. That's that's the only thing that's had it for me lately. Like their little storyline with with their shit, you know, that stuff. I don't know. It's shitty wrestling, you should, you but it's should, a good story. Hey, honestly, man, you should watch Total Divas. It makes it a lot more interesting. I'd say it would. But we're gonna have to uh, introduce our special guest here in a, here in a moment. We've got uh, from my old podcasting days with Unleash the Fanboy. We had uh, we had our own little podcast going. You know, we we uh, we used to say we drink, we laugh. You know, we we do all that. But I'm gonna see if I can't bring uh, <coughs> my old buddy from Unleash the Fanboy, Harrison Rotting, in, into this mix, and we're gonna see you know him geek out as well so let's see if we can get him on the line here for a special guest podcaster harrison rotting harrison are you there i am here how we doing guys welcome to the comic book jerk show how's it going and i just wanted i was i was just explaining to all the listeners out there that uh, me and you used to do our own little podcast called unleash the fanboy that's true now we we drank and we ran it. We did. We had a pretty good old time. Yes, we did. Because you know it was just you know, a couple of guys geeking out, talking about yep. nerdy crap. It's always good. Now we we went up to a to a total of around fifty episodes, so we we was doing pretty good, man. That I think uh, I think we did a pretty good job wrapping up the series there. You know, with with you know the little outro of. Uh, of you know the interviews with the celebrities and stuff that I got, at least the fanboy was some good times for sure. 
does. So, Harrison, when was the last time you actually got to sit down and uh, watch wrestling? Um, twelve. I'm, I'm gonna be honest. It's been that long. <laughs> I'm 27 years old. I remember when Sting was new, and apparently he's still around, which unnerves me in all kinds of ways. But I heard about some weird, goofy Terminator Salvation cross, you know, media like push that they tried to do. Where he looked more like Shao Kahn than like an actual endoskeleton. <laughs> I didn't think of it that way, but he's right. Fair enough. I'll, I'll give you that one. All I kept now, thinking Harrison, of was, I, oh, go ahead, sir. Go ahead. No, go ahead and tell me what you you've been thinking because it's it's good to hear the opinions of of people that haven't watched wrestling in almost you know ten fifteen years, man. The way I will always look at wrestling is is the male equivalent of the soap opera. And I mean that in the nicest way possible, dudes. I don't uh, judge anyone for for watching it one night because I know there's a lot of fanboys out there like, ooh, yeah, wrestling. And fangirls, too. But for me, it has a lot to do with uh, the fact that everything is played up so much. It's such dramatic storytelling. And it's violent. Like, uh, for for. For girls, it's like, you know, they want to have love stories upon love stories. Guys, we want to see someone get hit. And, you yeah. know, and, and so I remember, like, as a kid being really invested in the, you know, in WCW, you know, uh, and, and I I remember thinking, you know, WF, I didn't really understand what the heck that was. I only watched uh, Nitro. Uh, um Hell, there was this one guy I liked. I don't remember his name, but he was a wrestler. He dressed kind of like Sub Zero from like Ultimate Mortal Kombat Three. I was like, that dude, he's Brain Pippin. And that, and again, that was twelve year old me being like, yeah. But uh, oh, this pop trivia for 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 Fat Daddy Drac. Who is the character that used to dress like Sub Zero? His name was Glacier. Oh, oh. He, yes, he's right. Yes. Oh my God. <laughs> if you want to, if you want to talk trivia with wrestling, Fat Daddy Drac is your man to to go to. <laughs> it's the same same with us when we geek out about comic books, dude. Like if there's answers that Drac can't answer, I'll be able to answer. And I know if there's any questions that I have about comics, I can hit you up anytime, and you can pretty much vouch for that. That's true. That's true. And that's what it's all about. You know. I... We was we were going to talk about the season finale of The Walking Dead, Glenn died. but apparently I apparently I'm the only one who watched it. <laughs> Glenn <laughs> died. <laughs> I got to be completely uh, honest. Issue one twenty six. He gets his head beaten in by a baseball bat with it's nails. It's too in. early, dude. Come on, it's too early. They got to wait a little while. They got to introduce some more uh, young antagonists. Anyone who thought that Glenn was going to die in the finale was smoking some crack because like it. Uh, at the end of the day, it had, uh, you know, they were building it up, building it as a character death. And no, uh, no, no. Uh, um. and, and to be honest with you, none of the main cast members really died in this one. And it was a shock for me. But they built it up. The whole episode, they built it up like, hey, we're going to kill off Glenn. They started off and they get him shot in the arm. And then they, they cut off to a commercial after Glenn's got like 20 zombies on him fucking about to eat his face off. So you're like, Glenn's fucking dead. So whenever I, I I posted, you know, just purposely that Glenn died, and you talk about the reactions, people were pissed at me because they hadn't seen it yet. And I'm I was always the one that didn't have have AMC, but since I got Sling TV, which is another plug, 
I've been able to watch Walking Dead live, and so now I can give the, the fake spoilers out and piss people off instead of them piss me off with their fake spoilers. Speaking of plugs and The Walking Dead, I've got to give a big shout-out to Big Old Box of Stuff. Um, I won a contest with those oh, guys, yeah. so they're sending me some uh, Daryl and uh, Merle Dixon action figures and um, the Daryl Dixon bike. Uh, so... Yeah, one one of thanks know, to those guys, Robert Rice and the guys over a big old box of stuff. Which go ahead, Aaron, what do you got? Well, it's it's not often that uh, you can actually share a page that says, "Hey, you could win stuff." Just share and like our page and actually win it. So I was pretty ecstatic about it. I'm like, "You're one of only six people that that won some box of stuff." That, yeah. Just by sharing the page, and I was kind of I was kind of like, "Well, what's this about?" And I seen that you had it shared, and then I seen that that guy said, "Hey, you won, so we're going to send you, you know, yeah, the Daryl." That's always pretty rad when you win some free crap, man. It's always good. That's yeah. awesome. But here's the thing about it, man. I was checking these guys out, and they just launched today. All right, so the they just launched today. So go over and you know, and they don't know that I'm giving them this plug or anything. You know, I'm doing this because I I honestly like the company. Um, uh, it's bigoldboxofstuff.com. But go over and check them out. I think it's like thirty five dollars a month. I know it's a little bit more expensive than like say Loot Crate and and Nerd Block and all that stuff, but you get a lot more authentic cool stuff like actual you know six inch action figures and stuff instead of versus just funk funko pops don't get me wrong or, i love my pop or vinyls. a postcard <laughs> or what or a postcard i right? was so disappointed dude yeah i was so disappointed when i had the loot crate and all i got was a damn ghostbusters doorstop and they built it up like you're gonna get this ultimate like slime or action figure or some shit and you get a damn doorstop and some sticks hey the joker batman like, though funko was pretty awesome yeah, it was pretty awesome, but then you you go, you go to the office and you realize that out of the entire year, nobody touched Loot Crate. But just for that Joker Fun Pop, everyone That's has because heard. of me like, me being at the office relentlessly plugging Loot Crate that month. Oh, I was too. Because man. it was all about and, Batman and for me. Reason. You know that, man. It's all about Batman for me. So. And you're... You're the reason I went for Loot Crate, and I was pretty disappointed whenever I, I got a, a Ghostbusters doorstop. I was disappointed, I was like, too. I tried to sell mine on eBay. Now, we did, now, however, we did get a comic book, so that that does always kind of kind of yeah, flip Batman the deal. Exclusive comic book. Yeah. Oh, speaking of Endgame, have you read much of it, Harrison? Endgame? Nope. I, I, to be honest, when it comes to the, uh, the comic book world... Uh, DC and Marvel are on the floor to me, uh, and I do, and I do love my, um, uh, I do love me some superheroes. I'll be honest, but like you know, when it comes to comic book lore, I'm you know uh, uh, with Unleash the Fanboy as their managing editor. I've, um, I really dabble with uh, the indie books, and for me, the, that's where I'm like the most familiar with. But I do know what's going on in the main books because by virtue of my position, I, I have to have some knowledge. So I constantly spoil the crap out of all kinds of storylines that I can, so I actually know what the hell is happening. Um, you would have totally geeked out if you went to C2E2 with me and uh, Drac whenever we actually hung out with all the dudes who did uh, Dynamite Comics. Like, we were, we were up their head publisher's ass and everything, dude, cracking jokes the whole time. I mean, I got to, I got to be one of the first people, you know, to actually read The Shadow Issue 1. And instead of giving them a proper review at their own panel, I was pretty much like, this is not the shadow. This shit sucks. 
<laughs> I was like, do you expect me to believe that the shadow is going to be all bloody and gory and shooting people in the face and shit like that? I mean, like, the shadow oh, I knew... I bought into it. For, it was pretty fucking rad, well, man. Like, meanwhile, like, while, it, it, while, he is, uh, while he's reading the shadow, I'm taking over their panel with the world's worst comic book movie. <laughs> Yeah, the, we we sucked up their entire panel by asking them uh, what the worst comic book movie was, and it was one of those conversations where it was like, oh God, we all have to answer this one, and we all have to give our own unique opinions on it. And then some of them was like, you know, uh, we we don't want to say nothing bad about comics, you know, comic book movies, and then it would come back around and be like, man, that one sucked. <laughs> so 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 wait, uh, going off of that, then what is the worst comic book movie? You know, we have yet to figure you that know, out. We have never answered that question, Aaron. And I don't think we ever will because nobody has ever watched the movie Super Sonic no. Man. No one has ever. <laughs> now, originally, when we started Comic Book Jerk, we originally decided that one of our first live action reviews would be a Comic Book Jerk like mini movie that was kind of like in the vein of the Angry Video Game Nerd movie, except we would find the worst comic book movie to be this one ultra stupid movie called Super Sonic Man. And Super Sonic Man is so fucking terrible. Oh, it's got that top it has notch to be. effects, Aaron. Oh my god, he picks up a tractor with his bare hands and the tractor is made of cardboard. And it, it's clearly in that special effect that it's cardboard, but he lifts it up and by god is he he looked tough. <laughs> and it's got the premise of like I don't know if it's a Mexican Superman or or what it is, but by sense. far, if we ever make a live action comic book jerk movie, it's going to be that. It's going to be the worst comic book movie ever made, and it's going to be supersonic. Is movie, it going to be worse than Diary of a Superhero? Nothing could ever be worse than Diary of a Superhero, and I don't recommend any of the comic book jerk show listeners to actually Google that or YouTube. No, no, no. By all means, Google Diary the shit out of that. Just like when people go through that <laughs> phase where they're like, I want to see all these Marvel projects that got abandoned in the 90s, or you know, the Justice League Forever project that got uh, thrown to the wind when they were all... Uh, no. Yeah. Now, I have to I have to admit, as, as a guy who's, who's deep into nostalgia, I love the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, which made me love even more the 1994 Fantastic Four movie. Because that movie, to me, is the one that kicked it off for me. Okay, so explain to me your Ninja Turtle reference for this. Well, it's it, the reason I referenced Ninja Turtles is because the thing looks like somebody actually created the Ninja Turtles, went back and said, hey, let's do the Fantastic Four movie because the thing is so animatronic that he looks badass. Like, he looks like somebody that could cross over to the Ninja Turtles universe and it not look corny or stupid. Dude, because... we're talking about a giant rock monster. It's going to look corny and stupid no matter how... I'm just going to ask Aaron if, if, he's, if he's ADD or ADHD or something, man. Cause I don't know where he's... That, that reference was like straight up, hey, my name's Aaron, want to ride bikes? Much. That's how now, it kind of felt, you, man. It was like, boom, 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 here we are. Yay. <laughs> now, have you ever seen the 94 Fantastic Four, Drake? No, I've not. Because we've been passing that movie around the office. Uh, uh, the dude that sits next to me, he's got a, a copy of it, dude, and he's put it on his uh, Google Share account. So if you ever get a chance, come over and ask him about that movie and watch it. We had people in the other day watching it. 
um, on their lunch break and stuff, and they were like, I cannot believe how corny this is, but it's good. It's better than than the Fantastic Four and the Rise of the Silver Surfer movies. Like, because it's made in 94, so you know... What are you talking about? Punisher Warzone was better than those movies. Oh, God. Punisher Warzone No, no you don't get to say shit against Punisher Warzone, sir. I am sorry. That... The, okay, um, the one thing that is wrong with Punisher Warzone as a comic book nerd and a and a Garth Ennis run Punisher, you know, fan. The big bazooka. No, God, no. The one thing that's wrong with that movie is the villain. Like, like I thought Jigsaw was portrayed way too over the top, and just like you know, how they decide to go with the uh, the villain in that movie was the, what to me made it seem a little odd and a little bit bad, but. I'm sorry, Ray Stevenson was like the perfect casting for the Punisher. You could not ask for a more uh, true-to-form Frank Castle as he was at that time in the era that they were adapting. Cause you had- uh, we just get the movie hell because when we went and seen it, we were the only two people in the entire theater that's watching true. it. that's like, true. On opening well, night. Come on, guys. That's- <laughs> On opening fucking night. I mean, we like we like we're ready to like light cigarettes up and just chill and smoke and drink beer and shit, man. I mean, it was literally like sitting in one of our living rooms watching it on the big screen. But it was it was it was actually a good movie at the time for laughing at because there was so many over the top moments in oh, that. I mean, but I could see where you're coming from, Harrison. It it actually does match up with the, the actual Warzone comic pretty pretty straightforward i mean you know my favorite part and i and i've never read the warzone comics so i i don't have a i don't have a comparison there or, or you know a gripe about that you know i was just amazed by within the first five minutes we'd already seen a uh a chair leg go through somebody's freaking <laughs> eye and to me that was just freaking awesome but the thought my thing was the only reason why we ever give it a bad reference is because we were the only two people <laughs> In the theater that night. On open night. It doesn't night. surprise me. Well, well, look at a movie like Mallrats, and that shit's getting a sequel. Come on. Mallrats, when that first came out, was an underappreciated movie that uh, bombed right out of theaters. Uh, Kevin Smith, after it came out, was like, you know, hell, uh, 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 probably reassessing his whole life after no, he got like a, you know, a, a, uh, I think it was a $10 million budget or some, some like outrageously high budget for that time. And it, tanked completely and it totally fucking blew but then all of a sudden 20 years later almost 30 years later that movie has such a cult following well on the 10 year anniversary of mall rats he released a two and a half hour version of mall rats on the 10th anniversary and it was it was really oh i mean it it was was terrible like you know the uh the the extended cut just made like that movie worse like you know i'll take the theatrical over the extended but it became kind of like the gateway movie for a lot of non-Kevin Smith fans. That's how they became Kevin Smith fans. You know, I, honestly, though, I, I didn't discover Kevin Smith and Jay and Silent Bob and all that until Dogma. And then I went back and watched Mall Rats and Clerks and Chase and Amy and all that stuff. Well, see, I never I never discovered uh, Jay and Silent Bob or, or Mall Rats or Dogma or anything until, you know, my infatuation with watching every episode of Beavis and Butthead and then them having those those short Jay and Silent Bob skits that they would always do on MTV. Like, that's how I discovered it. And, like, then I started watching movies, and I would discover on them. I'm like, I've seen them fucking dudes on MTV. 
Like, those are the dudes from MTV, and it was never like, oh, those are the dudes from Clerks, or those are the dudes from Mallrats, or Chase and Amy. It was like, no, those are the dudes that come on right before uh, right before Beavis and Butthead. Like, for me, they had, they had a cult following even true, back then, true. and MTV really, really took them and made them who they were. It's was, definitely you know? interesting, though, to see that we now live in a world where um, Kevin Smith has gone off and he's doing like horror film after horror film, but now he's going back to that uh, that well again to pull out Clerks Three and Mallrats Two. Speaking of uh, speaking of Kevin Smith and horror films, we gotta say uh, what's up to our our good friend Mark Kidwell, uh, uh, creator of the '68 comic from Image. Also uh, uh, did a lot of the uh, graphic design or I guess costume design, whatever for the movie Tusk. That uh, I'm actually I'm actually looking at my autographed Wilder poster that he did for me too. Yeah, I've got one of those hanging up. Now, what what we're gonna hopefully to do here here you know in the next few you know couple episodes is hopefully get Mark Kidwell on the show because you know he's always been been a friend of ours. Like you know every convention he's done, even the small time stuff like just appearing in comic shops. You know we've been there for him, and he's the coolest dude ever to talk to. Like Drax got more of a friendship with him than I do. Like uh, I'm, I just know. completely geek out every time I'm around him, man. I, I'm, I'm but a I, re- fan I remember. But those remember are the Kidwell best moments when you meet a creator, um, uh, someone who's in the industry that uh, more so than we are, uh, and they don't turn out to be turds. Uh, right. Well, what's cool. Know? What's cool about Mark Kidwell is he did a he he did the '68 comic, which you know is pretty much telling the story of um, Night of the Living uh, Dead I and guess, the rest of the world. That's exactly yeah, it's, what it's I mean, that's of exactly the, what it is. It's an extension of Night of the Living Dead. Yeah, while Night of the Living Dead's going on, uh, you know you've got the dudes over in Vietnam writing writing back to uh, you know the people that's in the Night of the Living Dead, which is really cool. But the coolest thing i ever seen anybody do is um, when he tagged you in that 1966 Batman zombie version uh, comic cover. Like, he, he purposely reached out to Drak and actually tagged him on his Facebook and said, hey, you know, this one's for you, buddy. And I was like, that is really cool. I mean, your friendship with Mark Kidwell is kind of like my friendship with Elliot Serrano. Like man, me and him still stay tight, and we still, you know, talk back and forth. But they're they're both legends. Still waiting for Mark right. Kidwell to make that fat zombie modeled after me, because like I told him, a fat zombie is a successful zombie. That's true. <laughs> I mean, it's eight well, both before death and after. There you go. Yeah, I mean, honestly, if I was a zombie, I would be like the master race because I would already be. It would take me longer to deteriorate because I got more layers. Now, what I, I, I find really cool that uh, you're both probably pretty excited for is the return of 66 Batman. Oh, yeah. Are you are you excited? You hear about that, uh, Harrison? They're doing an animated short or an animated film of the original 66 yeah, Batman. Yeah, I, I, I heard something about that. I'm, um, you know, I think it's funny that something, you know, uh, um, and I do appreciate 66 Batman. I do. But something that was largely uh, a lot of comic fans would probably point to and be like that was like the low point of the comic industry at that time when it became that uh, goofball commercial. And yeah, and I, I can see that, but I mean I've been catching up on the episodes on uh, IFC a lot. Enjoy. It's always you know, on it, IFC. It, it, 
it's one of those goofy things you can go back and rewatch where it's like, you know, you appreciate it for what it was and, you know, you accept it for what it is. Like, you know, it, it, it never was going to be anything more than a goofy tongue in cheek 60s series. And, you know, and I do appreciate that people still fucking love it, that people probably shelled out a couple hundred dollars when that Blu-ray set came out. And, you know, bless their hearts. I wish I had the extra co- the coin. I would have done the same thing. Right. My God, the Blu-ray set looks absolutely oh, amazing. If you see the before and well, the, after shots of what the they did to it, the restoration is, is it's, absolute star. I have never, I have never seen a restoration done so perfectly. Even the, uh, even the restoration of the original Star um, Trek doesn't right look as good it. as. Um, if you go uh, to, if you want to see some stellar old movies uh, brought back to life, the Criterion Collection is probably the zenith of like old movie restoration it is just uh, uh and you know they just find i don't know how they do it what kind of programs they use or what kind of you know how nuts they are what, but they that well, company nails if, it. if we were if we were watching spoilers with kevin smith he would probably do a plug right now for uh <laughs> for the Criterion Collection, like he does on every episode of Spoilers. It's so pretty. Like you know, I, I I've watched so many old movies on Blu-ray because of that shit, and I proudly own the original Godzilla on Blu-ray from that company, and it looks so fucking beautiful. And I love that they included both the Japanese and the American version of the same goddamn film. You know what I would like to see? I would like to see some of those black and white films be Ted Turnerized and actually be colorized versions. Because I, I really like you know, when Ted Turner took some old classics and colorized them. Because that was kind of cool. It's interesting. Now with the technology that oh, we God. have, dude, we, I would I would love to see um, a colored version of Clerks. That was the only thing that turned me off against see, that movie. It's just in black yeah, and white. That, there is a colored version of it. It's called Clerks too. That's right. And also, <laughs> you know that the the black and white thing plays in the uh, the narrative of Clerks too. You know, it's the it's the the bookend of it, you know, uh, and also the beginning. So, you know, um, I liked the black and white aspect of it. It, it was unique. It, it, it left a, a print. I like black and white films. Film noir. Well, you know, it, it, it sets a tone. And the other thing I would say is, you know, if you want to see an interesting colorized version on Blu-ray, that I, uh, to this day kind of freaks me out when I watch it, um, it's a wonderful life. Like, as goofy as it is, they... They did. It got a very, very solid uh, video transfer, the black and white version. But just for you know, shits and giggles, they redid a colorized version of the movie. Then each frame, it's weird watching that movie in color. And you know, it's not like you know. I remember some colorized versions back when I was a kid that just looked like they just threw paint on it, and it just looked kind of shitty. But almost like the first season of. Uh... Or almost like those seasons of uh, I Love Lucy when they they went from black and white to color, or yeah. Bewitched when it went from black and white to color. It's like ah, it just didn't look natural or right. And then, but you know, but in this version, it actually looked really interesting. It was uh, kind of cool because you probably have to figure they had to research like you know, they had shots of old posters, costumes. I'm sure they had to go back and look at notes uh, about you know uh, how certain characters dressed and. Or they had to make an educated guess, but I I don't know what the process would be. Or maybe they can tell by the the coloring of the uh, of the black and gray. Uh, 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 mm-hmm. I, I I don't know how they do it. I do enjoy it, but I will always appreciate black and white cinema. And, but I will definitely sit through a colorized version of a movie just to see uh, what the fuck it looks like. Kind of like I'll watch. Uh, you know, just about anything with the superhero, just to see how bad they fuck it up or make it amazing. Yeah. 
Now, now going back to, to comic books a little bit, have you got to read any of uh, Futures In lately? I have not read Futures In in 10 issues, which means that if I open the next issue of Futures In, I'm sure I probably will catch up uh, you know, really quickly. <laughs> you know what, what sucks about Futures In is it, it, it always led to nothingness. Like, every single episode led well, or every single issue led it really to nothing. It's, like, uh, um, it's been a, almost a 50 issue series. It could have been 10. You could have condensed the entire yeah. story arc to a 10 issue event. You could have cut out a lot of fat uh, and just, you know, had it been, you know, like a 10 month thing, which would have been about the same amount of time that's been around anyway with its weekly schedule. But, you know, I've only I mean, read the first issue. Well, in in the latest issue, they had an actually it actually got pretty cool because uh, Omac actually blended um, Batman and Bruce Wayne into one ultra killing machine and sent him back in time like the Terminator. So Batman Beyond's running around trying to stop him, and then finally, the original Batman from that time span catches on to it too, and they both have to fight it out and stuff, and it gets really pretty kick ass. But uh, the last I- I- issue is. Um, is him taking on Batman Beyond, and Batman Beyond pretty much gets killed, dude. And it kind of feels like he's passing the torch to uh, to Tim Drake. Like it's almost like he's just saying, "Hey, I'm dying out, and it's time, you know, for somebody else to go into the future." Because in the future, there's no reference whatsoever of Tim Drake. So it's almost like like he's going to go into the future, and Tim Drake's going to be the new Batman Beyond. But I mean, who knows with with what they're doing now? They're pretty much rebooting everything well, again. Um. The interesting thing about, uh, well, yeah, totally, but but the it is kind of funny that you know, and I will give Marvel this above DC. Convergence feels like it's coming out of left field again, like Flashpoint. It just kind of well, it's it's the same same way with Marvel and the Secret Wars. It's like, hey, DC is going to do something, so you know what's Marvel going to do? It's going to come around and it's going to do their own. Yeah, infinite, but you know, for but for thing. Secret Wars, that's been built up for like four years it's been a continuing story by jonathan hickman building to this point like you know uh to, so to their credit you if you go back and you reread avengers and new avengers for the last like what three or four years it's all been building towards secret war it's all been building towards the end of the ultimate universe and the birth of something else though i will admit that uh right now dc I think convergence will probably lead to a much more coherent universe. I think I, I don't know what Marvel's going to look like after their Secret Wars end. Like I, I feel like they're going to be even more confused than they already are now as they try to balance being a comic book company that wants to match their movie properties and a comic book company mm-hmm. that wants to like, create their own material. Yeah, I mean because that is the ultimate push and pull. Because to DC's credit. Fucking Man of Steel made a shit ton of money. It you know, may not be Marvel Studios types of numbers, but it still made money. They did not alter Superman's costume to make him identical to the movie version. Now, speaking speaking of all this this weird Marvel craziness, Drac, what do you think about them getting rid of Thor and making a female Thor, and then you know making Captain America really really old, and then passing the torch to the Falcon and everything? Like, what do you really feel as a Marvel fan? Like you've always been more of a Marvel fan than a DC, but you've always been the hugest Batman fan. I know when it comes to DC, but you're by far the the Marvel guy. I, you know, I think that they need to wait a little bit further before they push that storyline. Uh, I'm happy about Civil War coming out in the 
in the third well the storyline's already happened and the storyline's been happening for months now yeah but what but, i'm saying is i think that you know that should be more of a phase six instead of uh what phase three phase four oh you oh you mean in like yeah the he's talking about the movies. He, i mean like he, i think Aaron's trying to say is that currently in the comic books uh you have two staple heroes who have more or less thor's lost his hammer and oh has, yeah 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 and nah. they're making a female Thor, and I'm against that, but whatever. Oh, it's already been happening. That's yeah, like, like you know, but she is a really well-written character. I'm not gonna, you know, deny that. And just like I'm not gonna, you know, uh, um, but I'll be honest, like you know, I, I I was rather impressed that no one really batted an eye when Falcon took on Cap because, like you know, yeah, I, I you know, just felt I don't think. I don't think a lot of people read Captain America to give a damn about who Captain America is because they've lost, already passed. I've lost my thunder a while back um, with with the whole Captain America stuff. You know, when the movies came out, that just you got the me. tattoo, man. Yeah, you I do. I have the shield America. tattooed on my elbow. But you know, but when the movies came out, you know, and a lot of people think it's because of the movies. I had the tattoo, but I had the tattoo long before the movies ever came out. But uh, you know, the thing about it is, is you know. The, these movies have come out and it's just kind of ruined Captain America for me. And I don't read any new comics. I, I go back and just go get trade paperbacks of, you know, some of the old story arcs that, that I might've missed at certain times and go back and read those. And I haven't read anything new in probably two years with the exception of a couple of first issues. Like, like I read that futures in the first issue, you know, and there's a couple of little that, but you know, usually the newer comics I read are the more underground stuff like wilder and, 68 and stuff like that so yeah no I'm... so yeah you're you're you and harrison are kind of kind of good about that you know you both kind of like those independent off you know you don't stay with the man but i mean i have gone back <laughs> and reading a lot of dc here lately like in these trade paperbacks you know like you know i'm reading on the blackest night you know i love that you know i'm just Drake. reading it a little bit at a time because i i want to make it well, last well, long let's, let's, let's take... uh, if you're gonna read anything from the new 52 Anything from current DC, the one thing everyone out there should read is the Brian Azzarello and Cliff Chiang run on Wonder Woman. I, as a comic book fan, have always hated Wonder Woman. I, I just never saw a point to her. And I, and I, and I always thought, like, you know, and it's not a sexist thing. It's just that I look at her and I look at Batman and I look at Superman. I'm, I'm supposed to believe that this girl is going to kick Superman's ass and take on Batman. I'm sorry. I don't buy it. But when I... Um, uh, um, after reading that arc, after reading that story, I had such a new, profound respect and uh, and love for that character born from it. It was like a three year arc. It was it was fucking awesome. But um, but I totally get where you're coming from. There's a lot of disenchanted like, God, why are we still reading these characters? I mean, look at all the cosmic fans for Marvel. They they are up in arms because Richard Ryder is still dead. Ryder <coughs> is not around anymore, and and, and we have yeah. a kid as Nova. But you know, I fucking love Sam Alexander. I think he's an awesome yeah. character. No, I'm, I'm really I'm really glad you brought that up because I I have been working on an editorial for almost six or seven months, but I haven't finished it because I want to wait for for Nova to actually wrap up, you know, its comic book series because it's wrapping up sooner probably already, but what's been pissing me off the most is there's there's a company that writes editorials and comic book reviews and that's Cosmic Book News and I'm not plugging them, but what I'm saying 
is, you know, if I ever had to, to write a rebuttal to, to anybody, it would be to Cosmic Book News because I'm so fucking tired of them bashing the, the latest Nova. I mean, you know, since since Nova came out in Ultimate Spider-Man, he's gained more popularity. Since he got his own series, he's gained more popularity. But you still got those fucking haters and those little complaining bitches that want to cry about how the new Nova is Nova in name only. So they're all going around calling him Nino or, you know, Nino. Oh, it's Nino. Oh, we, we can't like Nova because he's not Richard Ryder. And Richard Ryder already wrapped his story up, man, in Guardians of the Galaxy. He Pretty much and the ending sucked. That, that ending was stupid, and fuck you, Brian Michael Bendis. You couldn't even write a three-issue arc that was at least somewhat like how they wrote the characters under the DNA era. How he executed the quote-unquote epilogue slash conclusion of Richard Ryder was stupid, but that being said, I really fucking love the Cosmic books right now. I dig the shit out of Silver Server from Dan Slott. I think that is one of the best ongoing comic books out there. Has that old timey, like you know, uh, cosmic like adventure vibe. I, I Legendary Star Lord's been fun. Uh, Rock Raccoon has been fantastic, um, and Guardians of the Galaxy is continually entertaining. But you know, I, and I, yeah, no, I do have a warm spot in my heart for Nova, and you know, I, I'm happy to see that we now know that much to their chagrin, Nino survived, kids. Sam, yeah, Alexander Nova is is still Avenger, alive. An actual fucking Avenger on the now now Drac, you you may not know much about the new Nova, but the the new Nova is so badass. He is the only one on the planet that can fucking beat up the Hulk. Like he beat the Hulk all the way into space. Like with his last dying breath, man, he threw the fucking Hulk into space, dude. That's how badass this little dude is. And, I mean, he's just a young kid, man, even younger than Spider-Man. And he fucking knocked the Hulk into a different universe. And now, with with the latest story arc going on, Carnage is wreaking havoc right now. Like, out of all the comics I read, I keep up with Nova. Because I get tired of the fucking haters saying that he's not worth a shit and that he's a horrible character. You know... So, Drac, I'd say you're a little bit like me when it comes to comic books. If you don't catch up on a series, you'll go back and buy the trade paperbacks. Yeah, I might not read it until about two years after it releases, but now, I Harrison, go back haven't, and read it. Haven't both of us read um, Death in the Family and uh, Blackest Night? Yes. Now, now, as as both fans of that, what do you think about that, Drac? Like, what do you think about the whole Death in the Family and blackest night well you know those are two of the last two that i had i've got you know i'm currently reading blackest night i'm actually currently going between blackest night hush and court of owls but oh, uh, court of owls is a pretty good series that wasn't yeah. really solid arc but again scott steiner does pretty much you know that man is kind of just way too fucking awesome like i, now, I, even, now do you- I even like superman untrained i hate him i he makes me like characters i normally hate and it pisses me off now, do you think that the the quarter owls will actually appear on Gotham? Because that seems like the the next best thing for Gotham. I think there's I think a I think we'll see Talon. I I think there's definitely a chance. I I, I think Drax right. Uh, I like you know there. It well we know uh, one thing for certain about Gotham season two. Jada Pinkett Smith ain't gonna be there. She's already yeah, she, confirmed that she's ain't fucking coming back. And those those of us that are keeping up with the show saw her rip out her eye in one, in one of the previous episodes and. You know, it just yeah, no, she's not going to come back, and so there's going to be 
it's going to be interesting to see how they wrap up the first season because they still have to fill in all these years before Bruce Wayne becomes Bruce Wayne. Well, yeah. I don't I don't care about that. I hope that they go on forever without it. You know, I mean, Bruce Wayne's got to have that period where he's just not on the show for you know a few seasons or something. You know, he's got to go into training eventually. Yeah. You can't do all this training in Gotham. I was kind of hoping that they were going to take like you know season two would be kind of like an uh, they would cast an adult Bruce Wayne. And then you could have like uh, um, season two play more like Arrow, where you have like the the current Gotham world that continues the storyline while it relates to a future Gotham with a Batman. But they'll never adapt a bat uh, like a full on Batman show to TV. Gotham is as close as we get. Well, you you say that now, Harrison, mm. but yet you're also the same person that agreed with me that we would never see Spider Man in the Marvel universe. It's true on cinematic universe. I mean, me and you have went well, through this round and round, and you're the you're the only person I know that actually talked to the cast of the Amazing Spider Man too. Like you actually got to sit down in the Google Hangout and ask Jamie Foxx a question. I did, and that was a very nice moment. Like you know, it was just and still one of my favorites. And you know, to be honest, on some level, I am sad that the Amazing Spider Man franchise is done. I, I do think there were some really good parts to it, as far as a as a Spider-Man fan goes, like it was probably the closest that they had gone to to a decent adaptation of the, of the, the heart and soul of the character. Like, um, was it flawed? Fuck yeah. But w- were they better than the Raimi films on a lot of levels? Yeah. And it was nowhere near as, as pathetic as <laughs> Batman Forever or Batman and Robin. This is true. But so you speaking know, of, was, speaking of, speaking oh, of, so yeah. did, was was Jamie Foxx cool? He was. Like, you know, I, did he seem to like you? He gave one of the uh, um, uh, the most articulate answers I've ever uh, gotten from any interview. He like actually he took my question and absorbed it. Like you know, I'll be honest. When I was growing up and Jamie Foxx was kind of becoming the shit in Hollywood, I, I I always got the impression that he was very egotistical and full of himself. I'm not saying that he's not, but he uh, uh, he's not an a hole about. It. Like he's a very uh, down to earth guy. And when I asked my question, he actually because what I asked him was you know. Uh, pretty much what his inspirations were behind his Electro character and how he created his version of Max Dillon. And he brought up this story about how he formed the character. A lot of it had to do with a kid that he uh, knew growing up. And uh, it was just a very articulate, well-pronounced uh, answer that I just uh, – I, I ate it up. Because uh, I asked him a question. I asked Andrew Garfield a question. And, you know, uh, I – I would have asked Emma Stone a question, but fucking kid president, decide, uh, you know. Yeah, yes, kid right. Kid president, talk, talk about yeah. being fucked up, dude. Kid president took over the show from Harrison. Harrison did, didn't get to do half the stuff because kid president was part of the Google Hangout too. So they I love kid president. I know, and that—that's you know that's that's why kind of a, a big... why do people love kid president? He was such and like, it was a little, so like, you know, he's I mean, so yeah, motivational. But anyways, so I, the reason I was asking about Jamie, uh, the reason I was asking about Jamie Fox being nice, it, did he seem to like you? I I don't think he hated me, but then, you know, I, I think was he was like, more uh, concerned. Val about Kilmer fucking him. hates me. <laughs> Why does Val? <laughs> he hates both oh, of us. Oh God, too. yes. Uh, I think Aaron yeah, told he, me that story. He he wouldn't even take our questions after Drac told him to do the Batman voice, and he acted like a prick about. It. He's like. He's like, I'm not Michael Keaton. You know, he gave that look like I'm not Michael Keaton. I'm not the one famous for. 
He's like, I'm not the one famous for saying I'm Batman, but then later on he did it, and he kind of did swerve in action, and everybody fucking erupted, and you know, that was one of those moments where I think me and Drac, as comic book jerk, as an entity, as a group, as, you know, a commodity, if if you send me and him to a comic book convention, we're, we're either going to off. We're, we're either A, going to piss everybody off, or B, run the damn show. You know, We're going to be the center of attention. We're going to be the head honchos of that son of a bitch. Because we don't go into cons like, like oh, God, you know, we're intimidated. We don't want to talk to nobody. Me and Drac go in there with our heads held high, ready to fucking interview anybody and everybody that comes in there. But the one problem with that is, is if you separate the two of us, shit can go downhill. <laughs> like if you if you separate the two of us, like this last Lexington Comic Convention was terrible for me, Harrison. Yeah. And I've never felt so terrible in my life. And it was because I didn't have my fucking Wing right man. hand with me. I was I was running it around sucks. all left handed. No, no, I'll, I'll be honest. Like the the first convention I did for Unleashed Fanboy was uh, uh, a local one at home, Disney Comic Con. But uh, after that, the one right after that was a Kamikaze up in L.A. I can't. Uh, um, and I scored some. Pretty awesome interviews. Like I got to talk to Edward James Olmos. I got to talk to uh, uh, the the dude from Highlander. Uh, oh God damn it, uh, Adrian Christopher Lambert. Oh no, uh, uh, the okay. one from the show actually. And like uh, and I Connor Mc or Duncan McLeod. Duncan McLeod or the Clan McLeod. I'm Duncan McLeod or the Clan McLeod. <laughs> oh, but uh, um, uh, but you know, uh, um, I scored like uh, over twenty different interviews, and you know, I, I talked to Cube Cha, I, I talked to you know, uh, uh, Rashawn Nekadol, I t- I talked to uh, hell, I got uh, Humberto Ramos, that a lot of people know for Spider Man art. I even talked to him. I fucking well, interviewed people left and right, but like for, for me, when uh, uh, but it. I get where you're coming from, where it's like, it sucks being alone. It really does, because well, like, all the pressure is on you, and there's no backup. And, I'll but- tell you what, at, at our comic book conventions, there's always a WrestleMania moment. I'm telling you, even though LexCon went so bad for me, I did manage to score that one interview that made the whole con worthwhile. I actually had sat down with the guy who played Chekhov in the original Star Trek, and he told me the real reason why... In Wrath of Khan 2, he knew who Chekhov was. And you want to know his answer? What was it? He told me, he told me his answer was that Khan has genetically engineered kidneys. And they always have to go to the bathroom. So what happened is Chekhov actually had some kind of um, space virus. And he was in the toilet taking a shit the entire fucking time. So, so when Khan come to the bathroom to drain those those genetically <coughs> altered kidneys, he couldn't get in because Chekhov was in there taking a shit. And finally, when he got up and come to the door and said, "You need to use the bathroom," uh, Khan said, "I will remember, never forget your face." <laughs> so, in Wrath of Khan too, the reason he knew Chekhov is because he was hogging the bathroom. And to have the original actor <coughs> tell you that man was not only the most heartfelt moment, dude. I haven't felt a heartfelt moment like that since. Uh, since uh, who was the guy that we interviewed that did Captain America, Dre? Oh, Alan Bellman. Yeah, I hadn't had a heartfelt moment like that since Alan Bellman. And for you know, for me to be the big Star Trek fan that I am, I literally thought about going and shit in my pants and crying the rest of the rest of the ride home because I was so happy. Oh, and just I mean that j- just to fix that reference there a while ago, it's Adrian Paul, by the way. Thank oh, you. Yeah. Thank you. Here we are, born to the caves, where the practices of the order was. 
no, so, uh, no. I, I, I have to bring this back. I know, you know, since we're in, the, in a no moment, I'm going to have to bring this back from the UTF podcast. I mean, this is going to be my thing for a while. And, Drac, you're going to have to deal with it if you're going to be part of the comic book jerk show, even though you're going to hate it. What I'm about to tell you is not going to blow your mind. It's probably going to make you be like, oh, fuck. But a lot of fans have been asking about why I included um, My Little Pony in our description for our comic book jerk show. Well, in UTF, we had uh, we had a guy who did articles about My Little Pony and reviews of My Little Pony. And every episode and we of them UTF, out. What does that tell you? I'm just kidding. No, no he's still there. He, he still <laughs> well, writes for us. Okay. Well, admit it, Harrison. And in, in every UTF episode, I would always bring up My Little Pony and actually give my own review. Much to my episode. goddamn chagrin, you would bring that yeah. shit up. And I would, well, and I would like... I would indulge you, sir. Remember, yeah, you, you would know, indulge me. And I'll give that you the, the rope to, to, to hang yourself on, but, you know, Jesus, man, my little... So, so with, with Drac knowing that he's got two little girls at home and me, you know, having a, a little two-year-old, My Little Pony is one of those things I'm going to have to deal with, you know, for probably... My Little Pony more. is not in my house. It might not be in your house, but it has to be in mine. I've got My Little Pony pillows and covers, and they're not even my little girls. No, we, we, got, we got Monster <laughs> High, but, what we've got. But hey, you know next, this better. this this Friday is is the season premiere of My Little Pony. So wait, oh, you know, everyone, take a moment to let that magic just sink in. Yeah, oh friendship is God, magic, guys. I'm so excited I could just Sparkly. fart. Oh, so 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 April fourth is going to mark the return of My Little Pony as it goes into its fifth season after a most epic fucking season four finale of the twilight's kingdom it was an epic battle i'm telling you but cutie markless is going to be part one and part two so it's gonna it's gonna air this friday april 4th so expect that review next tuesday on the comic book jerk show oh boy so get ready to have drag be like oh boy so speaking <laughs> so, of shitty things <laughs> let's, let's 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 talk about my little adventure today. Oh, this little adventure was was incredible today. Uh, so, so let let me I've let me tell some, you tell I've it from some my up and down moments. <laughs> let me let me tell a little bit of my point of view. Drac walks up to me today and says, "Check out my kicks." I look down. I'm like, "Yeah, what about them?" He's like, "They're Freddy Krueger kicks," and I'm like, "No, they're not, dude. They're just fucking regular kicks." And I looked closer. And I was like, eh, it looks like Nikes to me. And I looked closer and closer. And I was like, holy shit, they do look like Freddy Krueger. And I've seen the bottom of the soles and the insides. And I was like, holy shit, that's Freddy Krueger's skin. And Drac says, you got to look up these shoes, man. So you take it from there, Drac, because those shoes blew my mind when it, whenever you dropped the bomb on me. All right, so here's the thing. I go down to a local thrift shop that we have here in Mount Sterling, Kentucky, called The Nile. I'll give Kevin a plug there. So the Nile, it's on Main Street in Mount Starla, Kentucky. He's got some really cool stuff. you got to go check him out. So I was over there a few days ago and was just, you know, chilling with him. He has magic tournaments on Tuesday nights and shit, you know. So, and I was like, hey, man, you got any Batman stuff? Because you know me, I'm always looking for cheap Batman action figures. And he did. He had a couple of old ones and stuff. And he's like, check these shoes out. And he shows me this pair of these Nike SBs, these Freddy Krueger prints. And I'm like, those are cool. I'm not a sneakerhead, so I don't know nothing about this stuff, okay? Um, you know, these are cool, so payday rolls around. I go up there, and uh, I get my shoes today, right? So I'm, I'm wearing them. I've got them on my feet. 
and I go into work for a for a meeting today, and uh, I'm you know showing everybody my new Freddy Krueger Nike because I think they're cool. Well, my, me and my wife are sitting there, we're chilling, and she's like, "We should look these up on the you internet." Style it. You profile it. Yeah. So we look them up on the internet. I get Little 50, does he know. I get fifty dollars for these shoes. Fifty dollars <laughs> for these shoes. Getting on eBay, I look up the price on these shoes, and it's five thousand dollars. And then I see <laughs> no one for shit. four thousand five hundred. Then I see one for for three thousand nine hundred ninety nine. So I'm flipping the hell out. I've got five thousand dollars on my feet, right? So I'm like, when I went home and shit, I like literally took the shoes off on the drive home because I'm thinking I'm going home putting these bitches on eBay. And it's not illegal in Kentucky to drive barefooted. I hope you know. Yeah, well, actually you know, it is, I, but let's not talk I've about it. I've always wondered, and still I have no answer because both of you don't seem to know. Well, I actually looked it up in the, uh, the, the Kentucky State Board, and it says that in Kentucky you can drive barefooted and it's totally legal. So just remember that, folks. If you're ever driving around in your flip-flops and you want a little bit of breeze on the sole of your feet, just kick off your shoes and drive around. <laughs> anyway, so I get home, and I've got these shoes off, and I'm flipping the fuck out, right? You know, I'm going to think, all right, I'm putting this shit on eBay. You know, it's going to be awesome. I've got these shoes that I paid 50 bucks for that are worth thousands of dollars. I look up the backstory, <laughs> and apparently Nike had made these shoes and uh, the Paramount, I believe it was, or whoever, New Line Cinema or whatever, was going to sue Nike because they didn't have them licensed. So Nike decided that in the spirit of Freddy Krueger, they were just going to take all these shoes and put them in a big pile and burn them. Well, oh, 20, fuck. 24 pairs of these shoes were saved by employees who got them and sold them on the black market. Okay. Are you... So they put those shoes to death like they put Freddy Krueger to death. Yeah, to get to get you, rid you, to to keep from getting a, a lawsuit from the movie studio. Are you sure you want to sleep in your house tonight? Well, hold on, got we're, fucking- we're not even done, man. So I'm still <laughs> tripping out because I've got like a pair of shoes that's one in twenty four, and I found them at a damn thrift store, right? So I'm I'm flipping out, and I'm like, all right, and then I come across this video on YouTube, and it says knockoffs of these shoes. See if yours are the real thing. Oh, no. So they have the real thing, and then they have the knockoffs. So, and they're showing, and I'm seeing some things. It's like they're showing the real thing first. I'm like, oh, okay, I've got that. I've got that. I've got that. And then they show the date, the date of the manufacturer, date on, on the inside and the little tag. Mine didn't oh, match no. up. No, dude, no. But it took a big no. stress off of me for this reason and this reason only. You can wear I your bought shoes these shoes now. because I like these damn shoes. You get me? I yeah. wanted to wear these damn shoes. When I thought these shoes were worth $5,000, I didn't want to wear these shoes. I wanted to see how much money I could get out of these shoes. As soon as I found out they wouldn't wear shit, guess what? I got my cool pair of shoes back. Nice. But it's, it, at least it has a good outcome. But I thought for sure that you had a pair of the kicks. I was like, God damn, this must be Drax's lucky day. He's won a free comic book loot box and all kinds of shit. That's magical. It's all magical, guys. Oh, man. Speaking but of magic. I've had a roller coaster day, that's for sure. 
speaking of magical, Harrison Rotting mm. has been part of the magical kingdom of Disney. So I heard I heard rumor. Looking your Facebook, stalking you, you know, Facebook stalking you. Are you going back to Disney? Are you planning on, I, on making I, I would like to move back to California. I have not applied to go back to the uh, to the Walt Disney Company yet. Um, Did they ever put you in any, any suits? Did you ever actually get to wear any of the, nope, the costumes? Too fat to be a character, so I got to be uh, a custodian instead. And, and, you know, for me it was one of the uh, uh, it was one of the best jobs I've, I've ever honestly had. And, you know, um, the type of life that I'm planning on leading is not ever going to be one where I make a tremendous amount of money. Uh, it's going to be one where I work uh, a day job and an internet job in order to make ends meet. And uh, hopefully the internet job eventually starts paying. And, you know, you get to a point where you're all, well, at least paying enough where it makes a dent uh, fiscally. Uh, and well, literally over your career, Harrison, you have probably most, you're probably one of the people that deserve it the most you wrote the most articles that anybody i've ever seen you made it a weekly habit to at least have five or six reviews at least every week plus editorials plus running a staff of a whole entire website man like i i don't understand how anyone could take on the responsibility that you took on and to do it for free well like you took on more responsibility than anyone i know and it's, you know, it's because for, ultimately I, I believe in what Unleash the Fanboy uh, represents and, you know, uh, uh, and, and what uh, our editor-in-chief, the, the type of uh, game plan that he always put forth was always something that I could get behind. And, you know, uh, it gained, to become a managing editor, you know, even if it uh, only pays me every once in a while or, or, you know, I just get free review copies or the chance to talk to people in the comic book industry, it just... Uh, it makes it worthwhile, and you know, um, gain to know that my stuff is being read is a tremendous uh, reward. And you know, to be honest, when you work a like right now, I, I work a pretty soul crunching day job. You know, I'm a I'm a guest service employee at a, a local you know uh, store, and it just uh, you come home after being stepped on all day, and then all of a sudden you're just like, God, I just could write. And you know, uh, and you're right, I do write a lot. I uh, on most weeks, I would do about ten to fifteen reviews, and then I would write news articles, editorials, and uh, nowadays I have less time, but I still try and get at least uh, anywhere between uh, ten to twenty articles up every week. And so it's just it's uh it, it's about having dedication. Like you know, uh, someone uh, people have asked me before, you know, because I started out as just a on IGN as one of their. Uh, Community re- reviewers, which was pretty much the equivalent of writing a blog comic review, and I ended up becoming a contributing editor on Leaks of Fanboy, and then working my way up to managing editor. And now I'm looking towards other uh, potential avenues in the future, and, and where that might lead me. Um, but you know, that's what that's what I always liked about you, Harrison, because when it came to comic books and stuff, you you got your start in a similar fashion than I did. I got my start from doing comic book jerk. But I also was writing articles for EarthMightiest.com, uh, which used to be a site for anybody to publish. And then they changed it to an All Avengers site, which I backed off. Um, but they also made the site ComicBookMovie.com or ComicBookMovies.com. And I started writing for them. And everything that I did in Comic Book Jerk, from whether it be taking uh, Drac and turning him into Roy Thor's cousin – uh, to doing comic book jerk reviews, all went up on comicbookmovie.com. So whenever Unleash the Fanboy first started to go into development, 
you know, I was I was right there next to, um, you know, next to Lim Limlick, and you know, me and him both kind of put the idea together. But I kind of backed off a long time ago. You know, I was kind of like, you know, I don't have time for this, but I can, you know, help you on the side and give you ideas. So, you know, me and you have been with Unleash the Fanboy from the start, dude. Yeah. We have pretty much I mean, created a monster. Well, no, I once stayed at a Holiday Inn Express. Mm -hmm. There you go. <laughs> Me on the way to Chicago, we stayed at a holiday. I mean, you know, uh, <laughs> uh, uh, to be honest, like Un Unleash the Fanboy has, uh, through the years that I've been with it, it's provided me wonderful opportunities. I've been able to go to, to Comic Con International as press. I've been able to, I got to go to Emerald City Comic Con as press, and you know, it just, yeah, no, I, I, there's I, nothing better than press passes, is there, Drake? Because when right. we went to C two E two, we didn't even. Yeah. When whenever we went to C two E two, we did not even plan to go to C two E two. The only reason that we went to Chicago was because I got free tickets to see the Avengers three weeks before it ever came out anywhere. So we got the very first tickets to see the Avengers, and that's where we met Elliot Serrano, and you know he invited us to his panel to come run amok and everything, and that was. One of those things where it was like, hey, we're going to Chicago, break or bust. You know, I spent my entire college tuition on it. I spent almost $2,000, $3,000 for us to go for a weekend. And we went up there, and I swear it was one of, still to this day one of the greatest comic conventions I've ever been to. Two stories of awesomeness. I mean, there was a part where me and Drac got split up, and we didn't really know what to do, man. He was at a Supernatural panel and I something wasn't like that. I Supernatural panel. What was it? Ghost Adventures or something? I was at Destination Truth with Josh Gates, son. Oh, I got you. You know, that that worked out pretty well because we got to meet back up with Josh Gates at the Lexington Comic Convention, which is has become... It was at Scarefest. Oh, was it at Scarefest? Yeah. It's still in Lexington. That's all it needs to happen. <laughs> but yeah, man, we, you know, we as as a group of nerds need to combine our efforts to really show people why we're geeks i mean you know whether it be from we read comic books all day to being the biggest horror and batman fans to being just somebody that likes to bitch about fucking movies and comic books and pretty much everything in life you know we need to combine our efforts and take over the populace with this stuff guys speaking of you mentioned batman it's about time for me. It's two thirty in the morning here in Kentucky, so uh, so that so that means somebody's lighting up the bat signal and it's, I'm it's I'm about to, to I'm podcast. about to throw some eighty nine Tim Burton Batman in to the PlayStation Four and have some sweet dreams. You know, speaking of me. the speaking of the eighty nine Batman, uh, I've been working very very hardly to bring the fans back. You know, to bring comic book jerk back to life. So. For the past two weeks, I've been working on the most epic review of the 1989 Batman for Comic Book Jerk. So all those Comic Book Jerk reviews that you've seen back in the past are minimum in comparison to this 30-minute epic Batman review that I've got going on. I mean, not only do I talk about Lando Calrissian, I also throw in, uh, I also throw in how you know Batgirl is in Batman and. Robin and she's Alfred's cousin. I also throw in Jim Carrey on the fucking Millennium Falcon. I mean, I really do do a pretty good return to this comic book jerk stuff. So hopefully we'll get to see some more comic book jerk videos coming up soon. But you can still check out our 
our official gaming page that uh, me and Fat Daddy Drag have online at uh, Comic Book Jerk Games. And you can also check out uh, YouTube.com backslash Comic Book Jerk. And if you want to email Drag, go ahead and shoot your email out to him so they can That's request That's Drag606 at gmail.com. D-R-A-C-606 at gmail.com. Give us your suggestions, anything you want to want us to talk about, any comments. Hey, you want to tell us we suck? We don't care. Go ahead and drop yeah. us a line. And if you want to hit me up at uh, Aaron at comicbookjerk.com, you can definitely shoot that email. And Harrison, do you want to give a shout-out? Uh, if you need to look for me, you can always find me on Just Unleash the Fanboy. I do have a Twitter and a Facebook page and all that fun stuff, but I'll just leave you with unleashthefanboy.com. So stick it, stick tight, hold on to your ball sacks, and get ready for next week's episode, because every Tuesday we're going to have the Comic Book Jerk Show. And Harrison, would you like to appear on some more episodes? I think I'll come back for a few more episodes, possibly. Possibly. All yeah. right. I'll, I'll leave it at that, but in brightest day and darkest night, let's get the fuck out of here and just sleep tight. Yeah. Right on. There we go. Take care, fans. Yeah. Peace out, guys. Later. From the flamers and noobs who were trolling the fans of midichlorian masterminds concocting a plan before he had an emporium of Endorian L's and he was complaining about those movies starring Christian Bell and his manga mastermind returned again to reboot his new show with all his geeky friends like the difference in wookies and tribbles and kibbles and bits the story comes together like a reductor twist from Harry Potter or maybe it's worse you might even curse the jerk for reminding you that everything's worse in the back of your mind he says what you never could and you never should and you never would but he could so listen up, troll, and let's go. It's time to sit back and watch a comic book jerk show. Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware.